I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. And I'm Esther Ikoro. And we're the hosts of the Honest Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard and you will sometimes cry dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey. Today on the Honest Field Guide, the state of diversity. What's it really about? This is a emotional topic because some people want to talk about it and some people don't. Um, there's a lot of news um, between the tech companies and other non-tech companies about diversity. We are talking about the state of diversity in the United States. We're not talking about the state of diversity in other countries. This is a unique moment in our history in the United States. So this is a great time to have this conversation. And we're definitely going to probably spend more time talking about, I think, supplier diversity and how it relates to business versus talent diversity, how employers, you know, get diverse candidates or underrepresented candidates to work there. So that's two kind of sides of the house in the diversity conversation, right? I love that when we first were talking about this particular podcast conversation, when we were conceptualizing it, you asked me a question. You said, well, what is supplier diversity? Which made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And you told me to Google it. <laughs> I said, Google it. But what's what's awesome I about your capital question? I typed NVM. And I N- had to actually Google NVM. <laughs> we're full circle. Never mind. This is a full circle moment. <laughs> I know it was totally full circle. I should have told I you should ask me, and I would have told you to Google it. <laughs> I didn't want to admit. I didn't want to see. The thing is, when you told me, when I told you to Google what is supplier diversity, and you put NVM, and I was gonna reply back, well, what does NVM? And I thought I better not do that. Don't I play told yourself. To it. Don't play yourself. <laughs> but anyway, but what's funny about your question is to me the heart of this conversation because you don't know what supplier diversity is and neither does corporate America. They don't know what it is either because if they did, there wouldn't be a need to have it and we wouldn't be having, Mm -hmm. you know... The ethnic hair section at Walgreens wouldn't be one shelf. What do we mean by supplier diversity? You know, what? who who is a diverse supplier? A supplier diversity program is a proactive business program which encourages the use of minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned, LGBTQT owned, service disabled veteran owned, historically underutilized business and small business administration, SBA defines small business concerns as suppliers. Um, I think that they're also missing, you know, members of tribal communities. I don't know how they're categorized, but that needs to be in there as well. But it's a, it's kind of a sterile definition. Um, I'm also slightly disturbed that women owned is separated from minority owned because there are women minorities. So I don't, I'm kind of that I'm always struggling a little bit with that conversation. Um, I prefer the description to read underrepresented business owners, you know, which include um, women of all ethnicities. That's the way I like to describe it because it really is all women of all ethnicities, including white women are underrepresented in the supplier diversity space and in the talent diversity space, you know, women of all ethnicities, but particularly white women too. So 
Um, it gets a little tricky when you start talking about supplier diversity because people don't necessarily know how to put themselves in buckets. But, um, you know, white women business owners in particular um, are being under leveraged. I don't think they necessarily know that. I don't know that women business owners understand that they're eligible and should be applying for, you know, quote unquote, minority certification status, because there are extraordinary opportunities um, to work with um, large corporations. Um, and they would benefit from being able to take credit for a woman owned business supplying services to their company. So that's something to consider for all women that are listening that um, that's a place where there's some challenges. Um, let's use Walmart for an example. They want the people who not only provide them with products, but provide them with other types of solutions that are not necessarily from the realms that you would normally pick from. Mm -hmm. So if you need a supply chain solution, you want to find products to put in your giant multinational store, where are those smaller companies that you're using for those jobs coming from? I think one of the most common retorts is is a company that's not as good gonna get a shot over a company that's that's that deserves it but is just full of white men which is like absolutely not true but I feel like those are the types of thought processes that happen in people's heads when you start talking about diversity my company Burt Creative um, I helped Solar City which has subsequently been a, been reacquired by Tesla um, launch their own um, diversity and inclusion practice because they had an effort where they needed to um, find more women and my uh, minorities to work um, at solar city to help um, with you know the delivering of solar panels and it was interesting working on this program because um, i was able to talk with you know leadership around this is the kind of language that you need to deploy when you're trying to encourage women to take a dangerous job installing solar panels on the top of a, you know, 100 foot building. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, yeah. there's a whole different type of communication that you have to, you know, engage in to have a woman work at a company like Solar City, you know, in the field, right? It's not like you're asking yeah. a woman to work in the marketing department. In the article about that on Burke Creative, mm -hmm. you talked about having to get corporate buy-in. Yeah. What, what did that look like for you? Well, the buy-in... So someone at the top says, we need to do this yep. somewhere. But then you have to be like, this isn't just about just having more women in the room. Like, there is a legit... Re so how do you even gauge that and begin to have that conversation with people who are already in the co company, but right. aren't necessarily sold on the idea? Right. And I and I, it's a great question. Um, you know, what was exciting first and foremost is that they recognized that they needed to have a company like mine that has some competency around diversity, inclusion, recruitment, uh, tactics and strategies and ideas. And that was their first step of, you know, that's the right thing to do. Um, but the other piece is that um, I did bring people to my team that have extraordinary um, skills and background around, you know, the use of language when you're creating content to um, understand how to reach um, diverse and underrepresented talent and and, and uh, suppliers. And that's a, a real critical step um, just to kind of say, you know, we have a team that knows how to talk about this for you and we can align what we're talking about with your brand values. So, you know, understanding the brand values of the company and their ultimate goals is critical to us being able to do our best work. But the other 
piece really gets back to um, the first question we asked the uh, company was, we need for leadership to define diversity. What is diversity to you? What does it mean? Because when you understand where people are coming from with their understanding of diversity, you can then go forward and try to solve the problem because there's a lot of issues around diversity within companies. A lot of people's definition of diversity are completely the opposite. I mean, some people might walk in a room, you know, and see one African-American person and say, you know, we have, yeah, we have a diverse company here. And, you know, that is not really necessarily the definition of diversity from the standpoint of, you know, an African-American person that sees one black person. They might say, that's not really how I define diversity. So, you know, you have to get to the question of how do you define diversity? So for companies that are, you know, embarking on a, a, diver- a supplier diversity program or trying to create one, you really need to understand what your leadership believes is diversity. How do they, How is it defined at the company? Because you have to have a, a foundation for that conversation before you can move forward. It's almost like we've talked about diversity so much, we've talked it into a corner where it's mostly framed in the public narrative about being like, everyone should have a place. Where it's like, no, 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 you will have a better business. Literally, you will have a better business, better products. You reach a wider audience. Your brand will be stronger. Your employees will be more engaged and there will be a better working environment. And the more information you have, the more perspectives you have, the easier it will be for you to come to a place of of accurate problem solving. If you are the best at what you do, the market speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. A I'm company like sold. Carol's Daughters that was sold to L'Oreal, that wasn't just them wanting to acquire a brand that represented diversity. It was them acquiring a brand that was very successful in a market that they aren't, weren't the best versed in. And you know what's beautiful about that? The pure business of it made sense for them. The great thing about the Carol's Daughter conversation to me is, you know, it, it makes me wonder if Unilever, for example, watched that acquisition and watched the success of that acquisition, you know, on the shelves of Target and said, you know what, this is a model that actually worked and we really need to take seriously Shea Moisture. And that is a brand that is blown up. And, uh, you know, the founder of Shea Moisture is now paying it forward and he's got all kinds of stuff going on to help african-american women find funding Mm -hmm. he's using his leverage now and he's going into you know with his unilever relationships and saying i need to do this and i'm sure Mm -hmm. that he's getting all kinds of things to make it happen so you know he gets it you know and and we think about that in the supplier diversity space if unilever didn't have a man like that a black man like that with vision to help them see you know, to help them understand. Just call it to their attention. Look at this. Look at what he's helping us see. Look at what he's helping us build. Look at these relationships we didn't know about or we Mm. didn't know enough about or we didn't trust because Mm. they weren't with us on the golf course. But Mm. there's always this kind of underlying message, you know, and even from my standpoint. So I have, I'm a woman. I'm I'm African-American owner. And I know that when I'm going in on opportunities, that just inherently the way that I work, no matter what I'm going in on, whatever whatever door I'm going through, whatever it looks like, 
I'm going to kill it. I'm going to over deliver. And I'm not going to let the client down who brought me in in the first place. However, um, there is always um, this potential for, you know, me going in on a project, you know, an assignment with someone who's taking a risk. And, you know, what if I do make a mistake? What's going to happen to them if I'm not, you know, delivering way above and beyond what they're what they're what 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 they're what they're asking for you know how are they going to look what's how is it going to come back on them one little tiny slip right underrepresented suppliers and underrepresented talent can't make mistakes and that's tough how do you make room for innovation because in the process of innovating failure is inherent because you're going to have to try things that's a company culture issue. Yeah, you're right. Because I feel like when you have that conversation at a place like Salesforce, that's used to taking risks, that's used to understanding like, this is the landscape. We're going to find the best and the brightest that happen to also be. Happen and, to and be. That, that's the thing is that the conversation that you have has to have that happen to be component to it. Because if you lead with diversity, you automatically create a culture where it's just about making sure that everybody has a seat around the table, which doesn't always translate in a corporate environment. But when you lead with excellence and say, we want people who are cream of the crop, but also diverse, it puts more weight on the due diligence and the research that has to, has to happen. Right. And so I, I agree. And so my piece is, um, sometimes I wonder, and I was having a conversation with a business leader in Chicago this week, and you know, the question was, is my business being hurt by diversity work or being helped by diversity work? You know, am I am I am I getting am I earning more market share and a better brand with my company, mm-hmm. Burke Creative, by leading with the conversation around I'm a woman-owned minority-owned business Mm -hmm. or is it hurting me against other companies that don't want to know that or don't care you know Mm -hmm. like what is the answer and and you know the leader said to me if you looked at the percentage of money that is allocated to diverse suppliers at any corporation my answer to you is yes it's hurting you because companies are allotting you know, less than 1% to their supplier diversity spend. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, I don't even know where that number came from. And it's, and you know, I'm delighted if somebody comes back and gives me a real number mm-hmm. because it's not enough money. So then it becomes, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we representing ourselves as minority owned businesses? What is the point? Because if it's not translating into, it translate. if it's not translating into real wealth, development for the company and the mm. family and and the community that you're in you know if 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 it's the whole conversation around you know crabs in a barrel we're all you know trying to grab the same crumb mm. every one of us is in the barrel grabbing the same crumb and that crumb is 0.008% of the actual of, spend, of the of the actual spend on the company to get the crumb from. I mean it's like what in the world like this is insane and if you know that the crabs in the barrel like, hey, you know what? I know you. I've seen yes, you before. Different. Oh my God, you're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you're my that's my girl over there. She's down there trying to get the crumb too. How is this gonna work out for us? You know what I mean? You're just you're asking yourself, where is this going? Where is this really, really going? And you know, there are companies that are doing, you know, a decent job of spending with underrepresented businesses, right? Some of them appear on the billion dollar round table. What is the billion dollar round table? These are 
companies that have spent at least a billion dollars with underrepresented owned suppliers, which include women of all ethnicities. Their definition is the billion dollar roundtable was created in 2001 to recognize and celebrate corporations that achieve spending of at least a billion dollars with minority and women owned suppliers. The BDR promotes and shares best practices in supply chain diversity excellence through the production of white papers. In discussions, the members review common issues, opportunities, and strategies. The BDR encourages corporate entities to continue growing their supplier diversity programs by increasing commitment and spending levels each year. The BDR inducts new members biannually. Their mission is to drive supplier diversity excellence through best practice sharing and thought leadership. So what I love about the Billion Dollar Roundtable is they actually list the logos of the companies that made it. And what I notice about this list with the logos is not the companies that are on here, but it's the companies that are missing that I'm shocked and surprised. Because a couple of the companies that are missing, they've been doing business for 100 plus years with most of their customers being, you know, black and brown people across the world. So why are they not on this table? at this table with the billion dollar people. So anyway, Adiant, Boeing, Fiat, Chrysler, Automobiles, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, Comcast Universal, or rather Comcast NBC Universal, Ford, Kaiser Permanente, PG&E, P&G, Toyota, General Motors, CVS Health, Kroger, Honda, AT&T, Lear, Verizon, Walmart, did I say Toyota? Honda. IBM, Merck, Johnson Controls, Exelon, Dell, Cummins, Avid Budget Group, and Bank of America. So, you know, that's actually, you know, Esther, that's actually not that many companies if you look, if you think about no, it. No, it's not wow. that many companies that's at all. not that many companies. Why aren't there more companies at the Billion Dollar Roundtable? What's up? That's the thing. I think that it's, it's almost like a, a longitudinal study that hasn't gone far enough yet for other people to get the picture yeah you know how let's take smoking for instance at, pretty early on people were like smoking causes cancer and it kind of took a couple of generations to be like no 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 this actually is for everybody <laughs> to be like yeah we're gonna stop smoking <laughs> in hospitals you right. know so it's one of those things where these are the early adopters and I mean, just Kaiser, for instance, last time I was in a space where I was like, wow, this company has some really good people behind them and it's really women led. Kaiser was one of their partners. Interesting. So you know, it's, I, I forgot one company. Oh, what a big is it? one. Uh Oh, and it's really because they don't have a word. There's a picture. Is it a picture of a fruit? Yes, it is. Is it apple? Yes, it okay. is. Okay. <laughs> I totally missed that because yeah. they have yeah, a grayed out. Apple just snuck, snuck in there. They just kind of snuck in and I think yeah. they just made it last year. Yeah. They literally just made it. Well, and of course, they're now better the most valuable company in the world. Yeah. So in my opinion, mm-hmm. they need to be hitting more than a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. They should be mm-hmm. spending yeah. $3 billion mm-hmm. with, you know, but that's just my personal opinion, not yeah. the views of any company that I work for. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yes. But, you know, yeah, it's your point. It's like... Uh, the proof know, is in the pudding. Yeah. So we, people who get it right now mm-hmm. know 
that it's good for business ultimately, especially in the way that the world is going and how brand identity is evolving and how corporate identity is evolving and the transparency and visibility that that relates to. Mm -hmm. The customer journey and the customer loyalty has a lot more to do with just the product. We're having relationships with brands as entire companies now. It's true. Yeah. At, at every, not at only every in level. the supply chain place, but you know, all over the place. Yeah. It's fascinating to look at this list because some companies are like, wow, they're not even on this list. These are companies that have been in business for like 132 years or 140 years. And, and they have a huge diverse, you know, black and brown population buying their products. They are not on the billion dollar roundtable, which means that they have not spent a billion Dude. dollars with women owned or underrepresented businesses. Let's not name the business. Oh, no, let's not do that. <laughs> we don't want to. Companies, you know who you are when you're not in the billion dollar. You, you know, know who, you, who are. you are. You know, and the ones that are on there, they should be proud of it. They should be. They're proud. But you know, some of the companies are like, look, we don't need to brag about this. This is how we operate. This is what we do. And we need all companies to be like that, right? That's what needs to happen. Now, there, there is a question of, of the companies on the billion dollar round table. How are they defining diversity? But we're not going to get into that because okay. we're just happy that we all made it. But, Yay. you know, we don't know what's in their little diversity bucket. You know? I am the mastermind. Okay. Not what <laughs> no, I mean. No, I'm not. <laughs> when the more I Okay, well let, well let me let me answer that. So, I I've not I've not participated in a formal mastermind. However, I have informal masterminds with my community and my network and my business advisors and my colleagues and other members of businesses that I speak with on a regular basis. And I do go to um you know, workshops and retreats like the one I was that I participated in at Dartmouth. Right. I mean, that was a giant mastermind of amazing business owners. So um, but but go ahead and explain your specifics around masterminds, because I do think they're beneficial to some people and some business owners as diverse certified businesses or businesses that are owned by um, underrepresented groups not leading with I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm that and trying to lead with just your work, your excellence, there is a strategy to getting in front of those larger corporations that would use you as a supplier because historically, even if you just lead with your excellence, you might not be on the radar of the supplier. So there has to be a strategy to get you in front of the person so that they can see the excellence of what you do and how you execute your work. My question is, are there masterminds for suppliers and business owners that help them understand how to do things like approach corporations? Well, I don't know if I'd call them a mastermind, but there are organizations in the United States. One is called the National Minority Supplier Development Council, and the other one's called WeBank, um, and that represents women business owners. And there are some other organizations like National Association of Women Business Owners that provide networking opportunities. But... These groups aren't technically masterminds, but they do, they are advocacy groups for women and underrepresented minority, underrepresented business owners. And um, they convene, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one speed dating sessions between corporations and business owners. Um, they have 
um, you know, giant uh, workshop events where several businesses come together with a specific topic and they um, talk to small business owners to find out, okay, you're represented by the National Minority Supplier Development Council. We know that you're certified because they have officially certified you as an underrepresented business owner. So because of that, you know, you're welcome to our club and we'd like to talk to you. And by the way, we are a corporate member of these organizations. So we pay money to meet people like you because we know that you've been vetted and you've been cleared by this organization, which means that you're legit and you're good. And so those are opportunities to kind of join um, um, a little bit of a mastermind with a specific goal of connecting you know, underrepresented businesses to large corporations. And so that kind of, it, it does work for many. There are, mm-hmm. there are suppliers that have, um, have the, the exact right product that fits within a company's yeah. supply chain in the exact right place. And, mm-hmm. and they have extraordinary success. So for example, you know, there are companies that uh, their business focuses on working with the automotive industry and they know exactly where they fit in the supply chain and they're able to go right to that place and say, this is how I can supply goods and services. And that company, like an automotive company can say, oh, we know exactly how you fit in. So here's a big gig because you know what? We need you because you know we've got to have a you know diverse supplier, blah, blah, blah. And it's a bonus because you're really excellent anyway. So you know, there's just a lot of ways to kind of you know skin the apple i didn't want to say cat because yeah. that's just not nice and i don't know why you're skinning apples <laughs> what are you making pie <laughs> weird i wish there was a more mm-hmm. a deliberate mastermind for a small business owner a woman who's baking her her energy bars in her whatever and she's trying to start this business and it's really good and it's selling really well how do you get her into a starbucks how do you get her in a place where she can even show her product to like a whole foods or a a walmart or something like that i know that i i listen to these you know stories and read these stories about how people like lara bar did it for instance or rx bar the the strategy that they took but there's not like a consistent place to to understand here's how you approach a large corporation here's how you put together walmart has a great guidebook how a supplier should approach them i have to be more specific and deliberate about how i work my relationships yeah relationships are critical it depends on, you know, your cultural environment, how you were raised and what are the norms, you know, in your family, because it's hard and difficult and challenging sometimes for certain cultures to ask for what they need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you gotta uh, retrain your brain. You really do. And you and, and sometimes if you can't retrain your brain, you need to have a friend that can help you retrain it. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was at Dartmouth a couple weeks ago for a really amazing business retreat and I met so many stunningly outstanding above and beyond people and business owners of excellence that I thought this is how I need to spend my days with, with, with amazing people like this. Cause I got fed a lot of, you know, beautiful, wonderful things. And it was just an chemist, chemi- chemically, um, you know, perfect um, situation. I was blown away by it. But here's what happened at one particular big giant training session we had. I was sitting next to this super, super smart, amazing 
uh, woman with a fantastic company doing all kinds of great work in IT, federal contracts, state contracts, regional, commercial, private, public, you name it, she was out there. Um, and there was a, uh, someone, you know, giving a discussion about um, a topic that she was very knowledgeable about. And I heard her whispering, I don't really, she's like, I don't agree. I don't think that's true. Or I don't agree with this. Or, you know, she was saying things mm-hmm. that I looked over and I said, okay, can you please stand up and speak louder? I, I want, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think you're right. I, I agree with what you're saying. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, can you ask for me? And I said, no. And I, I literally took my hand and I put it on her elbow and I lifted her up. I said, stand up now and ask your question and please give your thoughts about what this person is saying. And she did it. And I, and I, and I, I was even flagging down the person with the microphone to help her, to help her stand up mm-hmm. and ask the question and to say what she had was on her mind. And later, you know, she, she thanked me. She says, you know what? I need more of that. Yeah. Because, you know. It can be a habit that's reinforced by yes. other people who have the same habit. Yes. And, and she said, means, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, her, her, she said to me, you know, culturally, this is not how, this is not how I was raised. And I said, well, you know what? There was a lot of things that I wasn't raised to do, but I do them because I have a business now and I can't think like that. I got I'm a, I'm a business owner. I can't, I can't have that kind of, you know, that stuff interfering with my ability to make money and, and, and build relationships and get what I need. Um, especially if you're a woman, if you're standing there and you're not asking questions and asking for things you need. You're you not aggressive. And I feel like the only way that we're any of us that are underrepresented going through um, the United States doing business in the United States in corporations, which are they're led and run and operated and started and launched, you know, by white Americans. Um, you know, it's it's it is it is not it is the antithesis of business in some respects you know, to think and to expect and to act like this is going to help us get more because it's never worked. It never will. And it's not funded. I mean, you know, it's just this work to get suppliers to work for companies Mm -hmm. doesn't, uh, the money is not allotted to the people that are really working hard in these companies to find diverse suppliers and diverse talent. There's just, especially suppliers, the talent Mm -hmm. side you know, a lot of these companies do federal contracts and there are, you know, rules and guidelines to say, you know, if you're going to have a trillion dollar contract with the federal government, you know, you have to hire disabled veterans. <laughs> you know, you yeah. have to hire, you know, African-American women. You have to have, you know, Hispanic Americans working on your at your company in order to do business with us. And you also have to have some subcontractors that are underrepresented suppliers that are helping you build for us, right? So, you know, that's a situation where there is true incentive for them to do this. And so there is money aligned with companies that do federal contracts, right? There's money put to those companies say, look, we need a team internally in this company that can help us leverage underrepresented talent because we just won a trillion dollar contract with the federal government. And we can't go in there unless we have a diverse team doing this. It's just not going to work. So that's a situation where, you know, that absolutely does make sense. And there's a little more funding around that, especially on the disabled veteran side. Um, but aside from that, you know, there's just the money's not there. So what are you going to do if the money's not there as an underrepresented business? It goes back to what you said. You have to be you just have to be kick ass.
diversity goes much deeper than skin. Oh, definitely. It goes way deeper than skin. Yeah. It, it, and so it's and about diversity of thought. For it sure. really is. I mean, I, and I know that some people get that, you know, they grit their teeth and they start white knuckle flying when I when people say we need diversity of thought, because that sounds like an excuse to not focus on, you know, ethnic diversity. Yeah. But there does need to be diversity of thinking even among, you know, underrepresented people, Groups, because yeah. you can have a lot of underrepresented people in a room, but they're still lock, stock, and barrel, you know, aligned with your thinking, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, how does that, how is that really helping? How is that any different, right? So, um, you know, one of the things that I would suggest when, you know, with some of these larger companies is, you know, if you can get people that are trying their hardest to uncover their bias and, and see people for who they really are, um, that's the first step because you're going past you know, the physical to the, you know, how can you really add value, which does really get to the, you know, I need some kick-ass people to work here. And what an absolute amazing bonus that, you know, you're a woman, you know, in an underrepresented group, you know, providing goods and services to my company because, you know, you are kick-ass. So when you have underrepresented groups working for a company, they are your eyes and boots on the ground because they're coming from, you know, communities that might be different from, you know, the majority ownership, and they're able to offer perspectives and thought processes and, you know, ways of seeing the world that can help a company have vision in ways that they can't get unless they have, you know, women working for them. I mean, women think very differently about risk, Mm -hmm. which can help a company assess whether or not they should take A, B, or C path, right? I mean, so having a woman in the room when you're making strategic decisions about the direction of a company would be critical for the company to, you know, have guidance and, uh, you know, have an understanding of, you know, we really never thought of it from that way. Let's take this into consideration before we make this major decision to switch this, this particular thing. So internal diversity is, is definitely critical. But I also think that when you talk about supplier diversity, you have to educate people that work at a company to encourage their company to buy supplies and services from women-owned businesses and underrepresented businesses that include, um, you know, what I said earlier, LGBTQT, African-American-owned businesses, um, you know, Latino and Latina-owned businesses. I mean, people inside a company have to push for that as well. You know, that includes... Um, men who work inside the companies have to start asking their companies to buy goods and services for women-owned businesses. I mean, how do you get to the place of, you know, um, a person that works at a company to start making a demand on their company? I want to see more women-owned businesses supplying to this company. For example, Starbucks, right? Mm. So one of Starbucks has a supplier diversity program, and there are women-owned businesses that supply food products to their stores across the United States. Somebody at Starbucks made a decision, you know, we're going to be increasing our diverse suppliers of, you know, our snacks that we're selling in our stores or some of our products. I mean, somebody made the decision. You know, we need to find out how do you get to people that make those kinds of decisions because that's going to transform the country. Because when you start having large corporations like Apple and Google and Starbucks and McDonald's and the Walmarts of the world and the Coca-Colas and the General Motors, when they start recognizing the extreme value of working with diverse suppliers, those diverse suppliers not only can transform their families 
from the work that they get from those large companies that they earn, but they can also be a model in their communities and transform communities, which means that other people see the success that that family is having with their business, doing business with a company like General Motors. And then that transformed their minds around, oh my gosh, this company's doing business with this minority, this underrepresented family, which means that, you know what? I actually might want to buy a car from General Motors now because they're really putting you know, effort into helping these communities and families thrive. And it's beyond hiring an underrepresented person to work there. It's really about deciding my big, giant, large corporation is investing in the wealth development of that minority-owned business. And that's really critical. If you have a company that decides that not only are they going to build their own wealth, but they're going to help build the wealth of an underrepresented business owner, that's a huge, huge mind shift in my estimation because that's the place that I think America's been the greatest is helping you know businesses and entrepreneurs succeed you know to help them win that's that's how we've built the country by businesses building you know building themselves up and and you know helping employ people and 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 making things better in communities and neighborhoods and building infrastructure so um you know I don't know how to get to that place yeah me neither I was- <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna solve poverty with this podcast I lead with my excellence. On the other end, as a corporate structure, you should lead with wanting to understand more and wanting to diversify more and understanding why that's important. We can't be both sides of the conversation. So we as business owners, we as, you know, underrepresented groups of people who have technical skills or or professional services or build products and things like that we can't be the ones saying there needs to be more diversity necessarily we just have to be the ones that show up with the bar of excellence that's super high it has to be a two-way conversation Mm -hmm. because otherwise then we are having a conversation with ourselves Mm -hmm. so the question is if these companies don't actually care understand yet the importance of diversity then where do we go from here I don't know. I know. I mean, it is- we can't both be like this. I have to be the optimistic one, and then you can put put a pin in it. <laughs> but now I'm like, I don't know, because because it's really gloomy and it's really muggy outside, and I'm tired, and I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Listen, this is this is like I'm telling you, this is an epic battle of survival and it mm. is it, it happens every day and more and more um black people latinos and latinas you know uh lgbtqt they're look we're like we're not it's not working for us in the corporate structures and we're going out on our own and when we get there all the promises that we saw in there's the a corporate tumbleweed structure, there's yeah, a tumbleweed all- with a briefcase just rolling through uh-huh. and it, it it got a contract the small business owners what would we say to them as far as ways to get in front of companies that are either pushing these efforts forward or not pushing these efforts forward because even the ones that are pushing the efforts forward only use a very tiny fraction of their actual energy towards that so Mm -hmm. what are some strategies that you can share to try to get into companies as a, a supplier that's from 
a background that would be considered diverse? One of the things I do recommend um, to all people that are entrepreneurs and networkers and small business owners, when they're out in the field, if you have an opportunity to be at a, a famous event with you know celebrities, it's really easy. It's very easy to go and beeline to the celebrity and hand the celebrity your business card and say, hey, you know what? I would love to do some work with you. Let me, let me, let me be your fashion consultant or, or let me, let me do the, you know, let me be your accountant or, you know, I have some strategies for you on how you can break into the market. You know, the celebrity is not the person to talk to, you know, you need to stand back for a minute, look around the room and see who are the people working for the celebrity and how are they acting? Look for the wallflower that's kind of checking you out. That's the person you need to go to. And I, and I say that because when you think about going towards the grand Fortune 500 brands, which are like trying to catch whales, you know, maybe it's not the whale you need to catch. Maybe it's the person or the company supplying the whale, you know, or maybe it's whale you know, supply company. Exactly. The whale supply. My new startup, <laughs> the Uber of whales. I mean, you know, I mean, take a look at, um, you know, companies that are, mid-market perhaps you know I mean where can you find mid-market companies you know in Chicago we have something called the Cranes you know top list of private owned companies in, in in Illinois you know you'll find uh lots of opportunities at those companies to find out how you can do business with them because they have plenty of revenue and they are in positions where they're like, we need this, we need that. And they're looking for suppliers. They don't really, they're not necessarily interested in diverse suppliers. They're just looking for people to help them keep their business running, right? So they're not as inspired or um, as incentivized as a Fortune 500 company, for example, who you know are supplying billions of dollars of products and services to the federal government. So they're not as incentivized. They're really just looking for, for, for people to help them, you know, run their business. So you know, I would look there too. Those are, that's, you know, those are the, that's the number two thing I would do is look at some mid-market companies. And then, you know, number three would be to, um, you know, look at your network and see with the people that you know, who can help you get to um, a table with smart and interesting people, you know, whatever they look like, wherever they come from, where are the smart and interesting people in my, in my environment? You know, where are, the ones that are doing cool things, you know, how, how do I find out, you know, you can obviously find out by what they're doing on social media, but you can also pick up the phone and call and ask <laughs> just, you know, Hey, you know what? I have this issue and I really want your ideas on what you think I need to do to get the help. And you'd be amazed when you ask the person will come back and say, you know what? I'm on the board of this amazing organization and we have an event coming up. I'd love for you to be a guest at my table. Can you join me? And you'll say yes, because they know what you need and they know what you're asking for because you asked. And you know what? When you ask, people know where you're coming from and there's no confusion and they'll help you. And then the last thing is um, definitely get involved with some of these organizations. Some of them are effective depending on what city you live in and what region you live in. And some of them aren't so great. You know, it just really depends. You really have to look around and sort of say, um, you know, this organization has done a tremendous job of placement. You know, they are responsive. They return calls. They show up. They have great email communications. You know, National Minority Supplier Development Council is a national organization. They have different chapters in different cities. 
WeBank is a national organization. They have different chapters in different cities. So you do have to ask around and see which city has the most effective chapter because they're not all great. Then they can't all be great, you know? So those are kind of my top four um, things for what you can do. You know, there's a couple of companies in the United States, I think, that are doing a tremendous job leading um, on the conversation around supplier diversity. I don't know that they're, you know, getting high numbers of diverse suppliers, right? Like, I don't know if they're actually, you know, killing it in that space. But I do know that they seem to be making very intentional, mindful efforts on how can we engage and attract and retain diverse suppliers. Um, I think Google um, is doing a particularly amazing job in this space. Now, uh-huh. I just fully disclose that they are a client of mine. Um, and and they're not that. <laughs> what? That proves the point. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm and sort I'm of. and I am, um, you know, a boutique, a boutique brand strategy. So um, my company's brought in to help them think about things and concepts and ideas. And that's what I love to do. I love helping companies think. Um, but, you know, they may not be activating as many businesses to bring them in to hire them, but they're a new tech company. And the tech industry, as everyone knows, that's in the space is struggling with diversity, right? I mean, this is what all the tech companies are struggling with. So, but, but the work that they're doing um, in partnership with other companies, the information they're sharing, the team internally at Google that, that's working on diversity, I mean, they are powerful, motivated, inspired, entrepreneurial thinking um, uh, unicorns. And I mean, they're, they're just, they are hustling to try to lead the country in this conversation. And I think they're doing a great job. And they have the spans to do this. And I speak about this not on behalf of Google, and I'm not representing Google when I say this. I'm saying this as a person, a person in marketing and branding that's looking at the landscape and looking, I'm looking for signals. You know, I'm a small, diverse business. I'm looking for signals that I'm on the right track and I've got to find something that tells me, yes, I'm looking for the yes. Okay. We talked about this, the yin and the yang. Um, I think Salesforce is doing a tremendous job. Um, You know, not only on the talent side, but on the partnership and, and, and collaborative side, they're doing a great job. And you can look up the work that Salesforce is doing. They have a tremendous um, uh, website about their diversity efforts. It's, yeah. you know, even the language is powerful that they're using online. Yeah. Walmart is leading. So when I worked with SolarCity to help them um, work on their recruitment efforts for diverse talent, Walmart was a guy. They said, we need to be looking at what Walmart's doing. You know, Walmart has a real powerful disabled veteran program as well. So they're leading in this space. Um, You know, another company, I think that is sort of quiet about their, their diversity efforts is McDonald's. I mean, so McDonald's doesn't necessarily have a diverse supplier space, but they have built the wealth of so many businesses of color through their franchise ownership. That's huge. I mean, there's millionaires have been have been made from McDonald's and they're black and brown and they own restaurants. Um, they have powerful talent diversity efforts internally, and they have workshops and masterminds for other companies to help them understand how did you build such a diverse company? What did you do to get here? McDonald's leads on this. 
you know, so there, there's, there are companies out there and they're, and they're, you know, and McDonald's, I don't even think they're in the billion dollar round table, but you know, they're a huge, huge company and, and, and the families and careers and legacies that they are leaving behind specifically related to this conversation is pretty powerful and you can't deny it. Um, Microsoft is doing a great job um, on diversity. Maybe the work that they've been doing historically will help inform their acquisition of LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn, I think, needs to do a better job um, with diversity, not only on the talent side, but in terms of their conversations that they're having online, because more and more people of color are going to LinkedIn for information. So there's hope. And there are companies that are leading that can help inspire. And for mid-market companies, they should be looking at companies like that, too, to get ideas, to learn and to learn how they can be better. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Honest Field Guide, where we discussed diversity and what it's about um, from a corporate perspective and from a supplier perspective and, and the relationships that form that in between. Join us on the next episode where we will be discussing Twitter for business. Wow. Twitter for business. That bird's flying the coop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbuehl and Estery Coro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago, at Stomping Ground Studios in Ukrainian Village. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carroll. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Burke and Buell and Esther Ikoro. E.